You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello and welcome to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. Lots to discuss today. Uh, most of it will centre around Scotland, who actually won at the weekend. Uh, talk about Scotland and all things Scottish football. I'm joined by Tom McKinnon. Pleasure to be here on such a nice day. It is a lovely day. That has to be um, stressed to our overseas uh, listeners. We do get a lot of nice days, but today it is especially sunny. Uh, Gamba, how you doing? Yeah, I'm delighted. I'm spending such a lovely sunny day in the fucking basement. It's great. <laughs> Um, Connor, are you equally as negative? <laughs> no, I'm always positive. I'm positive outlook on life, a positive outlook on this weather, but it's not going to last. So enjoy it while you can, folks. Will Scotland's qualifying campaign last, though? Because, of course, we beat Slovenia. Well, we did. On Sunday. We did. Um, and we've all got renewed, fabulous optimism when it comes to the national team. You know, we're all singing positive songs, all singing happy songs because the weather's happy and Scotland are going to qualify. Um, but no, I mean, there was a must-win game. Mm. They had to win it, did win it, and I suppose you can only congratulate Gordon and, and, and the team for, for doing that. They played well, they put in a strong performance, albeit it, it, it took a goal, what, two minutes from time to actually win it. So but it was an 89th minute, I think. Yeah, so there's, yeah. but there was no doubt in my mind, that over the course of the 90 minutes of the balance of play, it was a reserve victory. Um, and you know what? We've had enough negativity around the national team for some time now, so let's enjoy the victory, take it forward, um, and who knows where we might end up. I'm saying nothing more than that. Yeah, there was a lot of negativity going into the game. Um, myself included, I was not too positive about this weekend in general I pretty much just kind of wrote it off yeah well I mean I would I was I was quite actively hoping for a draw in this game considering what we'd seen so yeah you weren't the only one that was negative about this game yeah um, but I mean I think there was a lot to be quite positive about uh, obviously other than the result I thought the performance was pretty good um, I think the main thing I took away from it was that we were just so calm and composed given that we really needed that goal uh, going into the kind of last stages of the game, Tom? Yeah, I thought we started really well. Griffiths, on another day, could have had at least two. And you think, we, first half, we could have been 4-0 up. Had it had we, for the, the foul from the corner. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's important is we got the win. But I still am striking out. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think you'll probably be hard-pressed to find any of us that have maybe differed their opinion too much. But, um, I mean, for me, I didn't see the result coming. Is that is that fair to say, Andrew? I I, I did think with about five, ten minutes to go, I was still thinking, it's a draw, It's he's done. <laughs> like, um, I just thought it was going to be one of those games where Scotland put in a above-average performance and just get nothing out of it. Um, I, uh, it's a strange one because again we've kind of we've kind of looked at Griffiths and you've said that would have been. I don't know if it's a Scotland jersey that does it to strikers now, but there was an element of it's just not happening because our strikers can't score and our midfield wasn't maybe looking up to it. But I mean, you know, you you, you take you take the win in any form, 
it kind of keeps us in contention in some sort. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stay positive about it, but I think this is just... You do seem quite negative, um, which sort of contrasts with a lot of the... Well, well certainly with BBC Scotland anyway, because um, they were very um, positive in the aftermath of the of the game. Is that... We've treated a symptom here. Yeah. This this win has masked a symptom and has not, has not addressed the cause of why we're sitting with seven points after five games. We should have more points. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I can't disagree with that. I don't think um, one of the kind of main talking points from the game, of course, was that Chris Martin was booed before he even got onto the pitch. Um, Connor, what did you make of this at the time? Oh, I'm, I'm personally speaking thoroughly. You know, I look at it in two ways because. Out, outright, I think there's no place to, to be booing a player that's come on to play for your, your national side. I just think it should not happen at all. I get that Scotland fans are frustrated. I get that you know patience is probably running thin, and I get that overall, up until last night, Chris Martin probably um, hadn't made the best impression so far in the Scotland jersey. But ultimately, you know, Gordon Strachan's there with a job to do. He's put his faith in a player, and ultimately. Despite the boos, despite negativity, that player has repaid the faith. Um, I don't think it doesn't mean that you know for the next qualifier we all want Chris Martin to start. But equally, I think for a guy that's done all right um, at a decent enough level down south, um, there was a lot of negativity about him that he has to have done something in his career to be picked by Scotland and to be playing at the level that he has done consistently now. Um, and I think. The brute line is that no matter who you are um, or what sort of form you're in, you deserve the full support of <clears throat> the nation if you're going to play for the Scotland national team. And I think that was very disappointing for both Strachan and Chris Martin to hear that. But do you know what? He can probably step out of Hamden with his chest that bit wider and with a smile on his face last night. Uh, do you go on with that, um, Tom? Yeah, I don't, I don't see the the reason to be booing players at Hamden unless he does something majorly wrong like maybe Ferguson Barry Ferguson and McGregor but I th- even, even then it's still quite harsh um, the thing that maybe it encouraged them to get into the position to, to score the goal but really shouldn't be happening no matter how bad the Scotland team gets I don't think we should boo the players maybe boo the manager I don't know how you do that maybe at half time and full time uh, I think there's that moment as soon as the, the referee's whistle goes, mm. you can that's the, that's the kind of the barrier down. You can kind of just go for it then during the game, or if it's a particularly shite passage of play or what you're mm-hmm. witnessing from your team, I think you can kind of go off oh, for fuck's sake. But I mean, like, I don't. I mean, we've talked about this before in the podcast with relation to F.A. Ambrose at Celtic booing a player when they're on the park. Martin wasn't even on the park and he was getting booed. I mean, it's just okay. Fair enough. It's his first. It's his first goal against a team that isn't. Who Malta or Gibraltar? I'd imagine. Yeah, so it's his first goal against a country that's like bigger than Edinburgh, which is which you know. You know I mean, after that, it's one of the really most backhanded, backhanded compliment you can make. But I mean, he has he has at least scored in the game, which is something not many other stri- Scotland strikers can say. I can remember what Fletcher scoring against Poland. That was his only goal in that yeah. qualifying campaign that didn't come against Gibraltar. Like we need we need somebody to score goals, and if. There's Chris Martin, he's got one. See what else people can do. Um, I think taking the negative aspect of it, I think 
for him to be finding that much space against quite a good defence was quite admirable. Particularly an Armstrong finding him, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, um, we'll probably go on and talk about Armstrong now. Um, he was um, excellent, I think. Oh. Um, I think that's fair to say. Um, Strachan described it as the best Scotland debut ever. Is that fair? Yeah, well, very much long overdue. I, he deserves absolutely no credit for Armstrong for Armstrong's debut <laughs> at this stage. He's an established player. Should have probably been making his 20th cap, I'd say. Because he deserved them when he was at United. The 14-15 season, he was, mm-hmm. he was excellent, I thought. Yeah. Um, maybe not so much last, this, this, uh, last season. Yeah. I don't think he was as good. But I think he should have been... At least in contention for the squad, there was never really any like, you know, uh, kind of idea that you know Armstrong would be in the squad. So yeah, he definitely he definitely was kind of overdue. Um, obviously for the goal, he does excellently um, mm. taking the ball down from what's quite a isn't this a good improvised pass from Mulgrew to him? He does really well to take the ball down, go by a few players, and then find Martin. And I think I know obviously Armstrong gets a lot of credit for this, but Anya's we run. He does drag two Slovenia defenders away, which does give Armstrong that wee bit more space to find Martin and then the finish from there. But yeah, um, I thought Stuart Armstrong was, was excellent all game. And I know Strachan, in his aftermath, uh, the after the game, the interview, he said a few players deserve a call out. But I do think, considering that's the first time Armstrong's mm. been in that situation, I think he did really, really, really well. And there would have been a lot of pressure on him as well going into that game. You'd probably presume um, yeah I, I just kind of echo what everyone else says um, Armstrong's that sort of midfielder that can unlock defences and uh, for Scotland um, he, he can be that guy as well um, of course there was uh, six Celtic players uh, who were in the park uh, for Scotland at one time or another um, fair, to, fair to say they've done quite well um, should there I mean is this long overdue should you know Strachan take this as a kind of cause I posted something on Twitter about it but should he maybe see it as oh well um, the Scottish League's actually not too bad or is it just Celtic or got some very good players at the moment um, I'm, I'd, I'd be willing to be proved wrong on this but um, that is Slovenia's first defeat in the group so no no, no other team's been able to do that that they've come up against Um Hopefully that is a kind of indication that the quality of players in Scotland, playing in Scotland, are good enough to get into that national team because they have done something that no other team in the group has been able to do. Um, obviously, that does come with a weekend asterisk next to it. Celtic are running away from the league, so if you are going to pick players from the league, then you would pick Celtic players. But no, I think a fantastic performance by all of those players and hopefully more of a kind of rubber stamp on the idea of yeah the Scotland national team can actually have Scot- players from Scotland in it it's not a ridiculous idea <laughs> yeah for me I mean it's a no brainer that we should at least start paying attention to the domestic league something that I don't think Strachan's really done mm. and I think that's probably evident given that that's the first time that we've seen six players um, obviously from the same team but from the same league and probably quite a while Um yeah, I, I just think well, it's probably a better option than a lot of the kind of dross we've been served up from the championship. Um, just because like maybe Chris Martin, <laughs> yeah, Cristiano yeah. Martin, <laughs> yeah, who done all right to be fair. Um, yeah. Um, so group going forward, we've got the England game next up in June, I believe. Do we need to win that? 
Um, can we qualify? Has uh, Sunday changed you guys' minds at all? I, I still don't think we're qualified. I think I, 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 I can't see us beating England either. They're just too good. But I think Southgate, for all, is a bit of a controversial appointment. I think he's taking them forward. The real, they know what they're doing now. If it's not maybe the most exciting football, but I think anything from that game would be a bonus. I think we could maybe nick a draw if we have a solid game plan. Know what we're doing. I'm not 100% sure. I think the quality of the England team will just be too good. And that's saying something because I don't think England are particularly good. I, I think <laughs> like it's almost like... Because, well, I saw Harry Redknapp was in... Um, his comments were getting discussed on Twitter and stuff and he was talking about um, how he doesn't care about international break and it's because it's England versus a postman from Malta or whatever. Um and I do get that feeling what what England games. However, they always win them anyway. Like, mm. and I, I think oh, especially been in like thirty something qualifiers yeah. or something. Like that. And I think when you're playing against Scotland in that atmosphere, I think the players will be up for it. Yeah. I, I don't see them. If you are going to play a meaningless friendly, it may as well be Scotland and Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and sorry, re- if not a friendly international. So. Aye. Uh, in regards to the England game, I don't think we'll beat them or get anything off them however um, of course we do have the other four teams to play <laughs> after that um, the moment we're sitting in fourth place seven points from the five games uh, Slovenia are one point ahead of us on eight and Slovakia are two points ahead on nine uh, Connor what's your assessment of this can we still qualify for, I mean for me I think it's down to those four games I think you need to get 12 points from them um, or, or near enough 12 I don't think we can afford to lose any more points now at this stage look qualification is, is still definitely or not qualification but a place in the playoffs is still definitely there um, to be had in my opinion um, Scotland have performed to a decent standard last night um, and I, I think that the way they played and, and made a team that were all to be brutally honest, quite fearful of Luke last night was a very big positive. If Scotland were to repeat that performance, or better, I think against Slovakia, um, Lithuania, when they play Slovenia, obviously Malta game takes care of itself, you would like to think. Um, you would like to think. You would like to Scotland. think. Um, but the potential's there. There's nobody in that group um, from England down to fear. The big issue with Scotland in recent uh, matches has been Scotland themselves actually um, making their opponents fear something about them. And last night's probably the first time in a while that you've seen that again. I always back Scotland, and particularly um, when the underdog kind of mentality comes out, to come out and put on a performance. Whether that performance is going to be good enough to take something or even beat England, I don't know. But for me, there's definite hope there. There's definite um, a feeling on my part, anyway, that having watched England um, play Lithuania on Sunday before Scotland played, I watched the whole game. Yeah, there's players of great quality there, but put them in an arena with 60,000 or 50,000, I don't know, it'd be Scotland fans. 50,000 Scotland fans. Uh, and a wee bit of hope, a wee bit of optimism. And really get right at them. So it's nothing to lose, in my opinion, because as you say, the, the other four games are the ones that will decide where we finally end up. If you can get something in this, for me, it's a massive, massive bonus. 
because how unlikely are England to drop points against other teams? Put them in this arena, let's test them, let's have a go at them, um, and go into it with a little bit more positivity, and you just never know. Uh, there's no way that you can sit here just now and say Scotland will beat England, or Scotland will take a point from England. But at least you can now sit and say, we go into it a little bit more positive, with a little bit more um, hope and, and good feel about us again. Um, but let's, let's see where the, what happens on, on the night. There, um, I know second is obviously the aim in this group, but Tom and I were looking at this earlier. There is a, there is a possibility that uh, our group second might not even be good enough. Yeah. Because uh, this is there are nine nine groups in UEFA, and the ninth ranked second place team does not get into the playoffs at all. Now, uh, currently second place in our group is the eighth worst. I think we were the ninth. We were the ninth before um, uh, the set of fixtures. However, I believe whatever hap- whatever's happened in Group E with Montenegro has meant that they are now the worst second place group. But. Um, yeah, there, there, there is potential because of how patchy every team that's looking for that second place spot in our group has been. There is, there is a worry here that second place might not actually be good enough. God, would that not just been that? The that'd, most be, that'd be thing ever. I think that'd be. I think Scotland would pass a threshold if that happened. I think we would reach peak Scotland at that point. I think we'd have to then start coming back down. Don't think there's anywhere you can go from finishing second in a group and not even getting in the playoff in yeah. terms of trying to qualify for a major tournament in Scotland. I think if this does happen, we're on the trajectory because it can't get any worse. I think than when that. when something like that happens, then you start looking at outside reasons why. It just, is just case, asking, like... Do you think we should just do like the Australia and Israel thing and just asking North America if we can go into their qualifiers or something like that? I mean, we're close enough. This is a uh, shot. <laughs> Hope skipping a jump to oh. the, over the other side of the Atlantic. It's closer, um, closer to Boston than Kazakhstan, so. True, true. Um, yeah, there was. Well, we'll move away from Scotland, um, unless you guys have anything else to say. Is, are we all more positive about Scotland? Re energise yeah. and, and let's leave it at that. Re energise and full of hope. Just a quick thing about Tierney, I thought he was really good at right back. That yeah, could be the way we've forward. not actually talked about that. We'll maybe quickly talk about Tierney. Um, yeah, played at right back. Me personally, like I think Tierney is a good enough player where he was okay in that position. However, going forward, I want him playing at his right position because mm. I think he's more effective. Defensively, he's fine. However, going forward, you saw him cutting in quite a few times, and I just think if you want to, I mean, you got a player of that caliber, you have to play him in the right position. But I, mean, I thought he was a fine fella, really, for a right back. I mean, personally, I love Kieran Tierney, like, with all my heart. Um, I, I I always think that the defensive side of his game is maybe not underrated, but rated. <laughs> I think he's I think he's very very competent defensively. I don't I don't see him when you see that Celtic lineup, and you see the back four. I always think as good as Lustig is, he's probably the weak link. In that defence, I'd never say Tierney, and it's you know incredible for a guy that's still a teenager mm. playing at a still a, still a braces last season. <laughs> you know, playing playing at fullback that he's not the weakest. So I, when I saw the team come out and I saw Tierney was at right back, I thought I think he can do fine defensively. It's just how he's going to get on going forward. And I think especially in the later part of the game when maybe the Slovenian legs whatever were going, you know, you, you saw Tierney. 
sized up those guys. I mean, literally in some aspects, we were head to head with the guy. You saw Tierney kind of go, "No, I can, I can get at these guys and do some damage, even if I'm going to have to cut in and do whatever." I mean, there was a, there was a moment, what maybe ten minutes before the end, where. He wins a, I think he wins a tackle. It, and was, then just, it was an amazing ball in, but nobody no, was it was, there a, it was a 50 50, wasn't was this, it? I'm sorry, okay. he, he gets the ball and then beats a guy and then sticks the ball mm. and aye, there's, there's just yeah, nobody yeah. there. So, no, I think I think he should be commended as well for his performance. Um, I don't think anybody had a particularly bad game for Scotland. It's just. Um, <laughs> Griffiths aside. <laughs> well, for Griffiths, it's like. I don't think he was great, however. Again, he is that sort of player. He needs to kind of feel himself right. around, and he never really got that chance. I don't think um, it is weird the whole Griffiths thing. You're not scoring. Um, I think it's just a Scotland thing. I think it's just yeah, the I think it is, it's yeah. just cursed now. Nah. The, the first chance, I think, was a lot harder than it looked. I think it came at him very hard I, and quite I, an awkward. I, I agree. Angle. I agree. I think um, as of all, you're talking about the hit. The yeah, yeah. I mean. Because a lot of people will kind of look at well, Snodgrass's ball was so good and it was such a great ball. However, it's it's not on the ground for him. No, you know, it's I not with him on a plate. It's not a difficult he's one. He's not really in the right position to take it. And properly. that as well, yeah. Sorry, Connor. Well, I was just, when I look back at, it, I think the second chance he deserves a lot of credit for the one that hit the post because that's, that's his own. That was just un, unlucky. Mm. We did very very well to cut it back across keeper there. The first one, to me looking at it, and I'm no striking expert. Um, but really? <laughs> if it was me, I, I was wondering, does he better go on with his head there, diving header? Um, but it's his chance at that moment in time. And uh, Lee Griffiths has got a big enough reputation now in Scotland that just because he missed those two chances last night doesn't mean that if his name's not on the team sheet at the next game, people won't be in uproar because it will be. Because I think. Still think there's a unified kind of consensus that in terms of striking options, he's probably our best. Yep, yeah, probably just echo that. Just to finally finish off, Oblak's uh, goalkeeping right. was absolutely horrendous right. okay. for um, uh, the goal. There's maybe a divot. I've watched okay. this back. There's maybe a divot because I think he's expecting the ball maybe to, to just. He's maybe expecting to do that thing where he'll just stick a foot out the last yeah. second and kind of divert it wide. And I think there's the ball takes a strange bounce. It, I mean, trust me, trust me on this. Yeah, no, no I'll take your word for it because it certainly looked really strange. And I remember bef- when because me, Tom, and Gamba all watched the match uh, and together. Um, it was quite cute, cute yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember, um, you know, I think it was Tom that was saying that All Black's probably their best player. Mm, and yeah. I was not impressed with him at all throughout the he whole was, game but um, yeah he was really shaky in the first half I thought so yeah I, I, I thought he you know making kind of unnecessary saves when you can probably just there was one there was, a, there was like a sh- there was like a very weak shot or header from Griffiths yeah, wasn't it yeah. and it looks like he can kind of just go over to it and maybe put a foot on it or and he just he just tipped it wide and yeah. out for a corner and I think it was no, it wasn't. It came from the wrong side. I was going to say, but of course, the the opening fifteen minutes of the game when Scotland had so many corners and so many chances, you wonder if that maybe put the shutters up him or something like that for the rest of the game. Yeah, um, we will move from Scotland and all black to uh, the all black and whites against the Tangerines. Get out of link there. Uh, to be fair, though. You are very negative going into this yeah. game, Tom. And I think you've been quite negative the last couple of weeks when you've been on the podcast. Yeah. But finally, there's some positivity regarding Dundee United. It's actually quite a good day. 
It was quite a sunny day, isn't yeah. it? Just like today. From where I was, it looked like the United t- uh, support was vast in numbers, but uh, looking back on the television, it wasn't quite nearly as good as I thought it was. And it was quite a good day. It was slightly odd atmosphere. There wasn't much singing from United fans until we went 2-1 up. Because we didn't really have time to react after the first goal mm. went in. Um, but credit to St Mirren fans, they were brilliant. There was loads of them singing. Just unfortunately, couldn't get a result. You've got to feel bad for Rory Loyal, don't you? Giving a, telling United fans to be quiet. <laughs> really feel bad for him, to be honest with you. The one kind of striking thing um, from this game, f- for me personally, was that I, I thought United, like, they didn't really celebrate. Mm. as joyously as you usually would and I know it's obviously the Einbrook Cup and yeah. there is a certain prestige level it's not like <laughs> but I, I don't know it just looked very awkward however um end of the day it's something I don't think a lot of people expected so there is that yeah you got the impression it probably would have meant more to St Mirren fans I winning the trophy but um and like they probably deserved it on their first half performance they really should have been 4-1 up at half time um Miss a few. Loy hit the post. Mackenzie free header, and who missed the chance again? Um, Morgan went through against Cammy Bell, uh, and you think on another day that could he, uh, probably in the league the United would have been four one down, maybe because it was a bit of a special occasion. And then second half they didn't didn't press as quite as hard. Didn't they weren't quite as active with the ball. They weren't uh, creating as many chances. And I think that's probably credit to Flood who has been poor recently, but. He broke the uh, game up perfectly, which is because we had the advantage in the middle. I think that was perfect and when he got involved a bit more. Yeah, as you said, you've, it's interesting to say how you, if it was 4-1 in the league, or, or if it was in the league, it probably would have been 4-1 at half-time. Why did things change, do you think? There was a, it seemed like there was a different atmosphere in the United team. You could see that because I got there quite early, and you could see that in the warm-up, apart from uh, Nichols and Mickelson trying to fight each other at the start in a <laughs> keep-ball session. All right, can you can you further expand on that? Um, Nichols, bizarrely, one of the best players in the league. I'm joking, of course. Um, played one of the worst passes in a very tight passing drill. Uh, no way Mickelson could control it, but he forced Mickelson into the middle of the circle. And Mickelson is about half a foot taller than Nichols, and he, you could just tell he was not happy. <laughs> he was very close, Nichols, to getting a bang in the bus but apart from that you apart know, from that there yeah, there was much a, better action yeah you could see and even when we won the trophy you could see the players were united which I don't think we've seen too much this year uh, particularly this year if not this season um, but to- don't want to, to jump in there the Tony Andrew yeah. goal is an absolute screamer yeah, yeah this was the only goal I, I managed to see because I was on my way to uh, beautiful Oakle view and I stopped off in beautiful Ladbrokes and uh, caught this beautiful goal that <laughs> was an outstanding strike yeah, the technique's, the techniques mm. absolutely fantastic he scores he scores from a similar distance in the 3-2 game yeah. um, but not not in the same style at all um, it'll be interesting to see it'll be interesting to see whether he's playing in the Scottish Premiership next season I One th- way or another. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say he's probably United's best oh, player, yeah. and yeah. I think is he still on loan? What what is it? Yeah, he's there? still on loan. I'd right. be surprised if we don't go up. He won't be at us next season, and I think we'll make an effort to get him next season. But I suspect oh, I hate saying this, but a bigger club would maybe take him in the Premiership. I could see him 
maybe at Hearts or Hibs. Seems he would suit their sort of play, style of play. Well, obviously suits ours, but I'd be surprised if he was playing Tangerine next season. Yeah, I was always I was always a fan of Tony Andrew when he was at Hamilton and the, yeah, the Hamilton season. It was just top class, was wasn't a, it? Absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to kind of say about the Dynebrook Cup? Was um, for what was quite going depressing going into it. It was quite a nice day. I think it was good for the fans just to a bit of a break really because it has been. Just truly, truly awful in the last two months. I was going to say, since the kind of League Cup final against Celtic, it hasn't been yeah. much mm. great, has there? No, not really. That's yeah, that's probably where I started. <laughs> but at least at the start of the season, there was a bit of a run and there was quite a bit of positive, positivity before we went to Easter Road mm. in January, the start of January, where we got beaten 3 0. That was bad. Um, that sort of signalled this sort of turn of form. And I'm hoping this can be the catalyst of a change. See, a lot of the players have said it, and we've made this new signing today, and hopefully he's half decent. He's come to the Man City Academy, so he should provide a bit of quality in that midfield. Well, elsewhere in the Championship, I think it's probably, we should probably start with Hibs and Falkirk, a game you were at, uh, Connor. Um, a last minute, a real last, it's a 92nd minute goal. from There's last Jam- minute goals, and then there's yeah, James last Ke- James Keaton's are. Uh, Outstanding strike again. I've said outstanding quite a few times in this podcast, but incredible. I'll, yeah, I don't have any problems saying it was saying it was uh, another outstanding strike. Um, yeah, Hibs one two one. Connor, what was your kind of? What did you make of this game? Obviously, quite disappointed. I take it. Well, disappointed. Obviously, you know you're going to add time and lose a goal. But first of all, there was just not, no nothing you could do about that strike. Yeah. Um, and what I would say is, as a Falkirk fan. I have over the past uh, two years have enjoyed some very well, that's now famous last minute goals against Hibs and playoff final uh, semi finals and all that sort of thing. So to be fair to Hibs, they were probably due one over us uh, on that front. Um, but no, we went into the game knowing that you know if you want to have a chance, you probably catch them. You had to probably win it, um, and, and now it kind of makes things <coughs> fairly clear, but. The game, as Falkirk and Hibs games always are, within about 20 seconds, tackle was flying in, players were at each other's throats, uh, and, and a terrific crowd as well. I think it was about 16,000 was there, yeah. just under 1,000 from Falkirk. Um, so no, it was a really, really great day in the capital. The atmosphere was terrific. And I'll be biased and say, to me, that uh, for Scottish football was a premiership game at the weekend there. Um, it was certainly a Premiership standard. I mean, two teams were right at each other, um, and I know that obviously there's an admittance that you know the last minute goal. But I do think a draw would have been fair um, overall. I think Hibs, despite having as expected f- a bit more, quite a bit more of the possession, they'd failed to do. Uh, all that much to trouble Falkirk, particularly the goalkeeper Robbie Thompson. They didn't really have any safety makes a note. Um, and Falkirk had their goal and a couple of opportunities and, and, and certainly the game seemed to go through. It wasn't so much end-to-end, but it was kind of like Hibs had like a period of 10 minutes, and then Falkirk had a period of 10 minutes, and then 10 minutes in that sort of sense. But it was a great game, a terrific advert. The sun was out, um, and as I say, Hibs... Um, we're probably due that wee bit of luck over Falkirk. They've certainly not had it stretching all the way back um, to probably the Cup semi-final a few years ago now. Um, but I mean, that was Falkirk's first defeat at Easter Road about seven or eight years. So 
the luck has certainly been there with Falkirk going there. Um, but no, now it leaves Hibs, obviously 10 points clear in the division. Um, it certainly looks like they've got... Yeah, that was what I was going to go on to. Because I think now they've won that game, does that just <coughs> completely extinguish any chance of winning well, the title? Or? Well, he's not going to sit here and say, because it's not mathematically impossible, but let's you know, if you're realistic about it now, um, Hibs have certainly, in my opinion, got one hand on the trophy. Um, I think... And another four fingers on, on the trophy. I think. As well. I think. I think. Um, nine fingers on the trophy. It'd be interesting to see um, if Morton were to get a result at Easter Road on Wednesday night. But I still think even that, the way we're looking at just now, um, Hibs to me are, are your champions elect. And I think for looking at a biased kind of Falkirk perspective, the ambition now has to 100% be um, to focus on getting that second spot for the second season in a row. Um, and I think in the next few weeks coming up, obviously Morton play Hibs a couple of times, Falkirk have got Dundee United in a week on Saturday. Um, and there's certainly no easy fixtures. So, I mean, the six games to go, I think it will those kind of second, third and fourth spots will go right down the wire. Um It'll be interesting to see who comes out on top, but, uh, but no, Saturday was, it was disappointing to lose the goal, um, but you can't at all be disappointed with the performance the players put in, I thought uh, they gave as good as it got, gave everything, and just unfortunately, that wee bit of luck just wasn't on site. Well, speaking of Morton, what you were kind of referring to there, um, they lost 1-0 to the fair one. And they were at home. This was a first home oh, just, game. Oh, listen to Green and Morton losing at home. Yeah, just, it, just, it doesn't feel... I think in the preview show, anyway, I think we were like, a oh, foregone conclusion, they'll, they'll easily... Well, we, we, well, from my point of view, I really saw this as kind of... Morton's... If, if Morton were going to challenge for the title, I think this was going to be the weekend where it was going to crystallise, really. Sorry about that. Uh, where it was going to uh, crystallise, really, because I was thinking Falkirk have a good record against Hibs... Morton are unbeaten and God knows how long at home. I mean, we were talk- we've talked about this recently, like there was like stats of them being up in the same kind of thing with like Bayern Munich with a kind of home record and stuff like that. So like, you know, we were going like, Morton don't lose at home, Hibs don't beat Falkirk. If they're going to challenge for the title, this is the week where they've really got to go for it. And just from what I've heard, it's been a really flat performance from them in this game. And I think Duffy was saying they didn't really deserve much from it. But I mean... They've, they've still got they've still got a game in hand over Hibs. Um, they've got two games in hand over Falkirk. Over Falkirk, so yeah, it'll be an, it'll be interesting to see how. I mean, how how the rest of the season goes for them, but I mean, I, from a defending point of view, it's it's a huge three points because it kind of it kind of keeps them away from the bottom of the table because a lot of the teams down the bottom have been getting results, and you know that kind of keeps them away because if they'd lost this, if you know if, if you know, if we assume that Morton had won this game, they would have been on what thirty-two points, which would have been one point ahead of Dumbarton there. Mm, yeah. So you know, a, a huge three points for Dunfermline because I think a lot of us a couple of weeks ago would have said, yeah, absolutely, they're safe. But with the rest of the results in the championship, it's 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 gonna it's probably towards the end of the season, it's probably gonna be a huge three points for them. That's a really good point you make up there because, of course, Wraith, Wraith Rovers are sitting behind Dunfermline with thirty-three points. Dumbarton are an eighth of thirty-one. Air ninth of thirty one. So again, if yeah, as you said, if the Fairman had lost that game, it would have been thirty two. They would have been right in the mix mm. there, 
Um, and, and you know, we wouldn't, we, we definitely wouldn't have seen that film because I mean, uh, I watched highlights on uh, the United channel of their game against Ayr, and it was a game they really, I don't think they should have lost. Um, and mm. we've seen them in the Scottish Cup and things like that. They look like a, you know a solid, decent team. So it would have been quite. For maybe somebody doesn't watch them week in week out, it would have been quite jarring to see them down there. But obviously they've gotten the result and they're not down there. <laughs> the yeah. only thing I would say about the, the complexion league table just now, to me, means that for that ninth spot, anybody up to Queen of the South could still be dragged into that. I mean, Queen of the South are only five points ahead of your United. They're not in a particularly good run of form. Having either. played a game more. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not saying that this is Queen of the South on the verge of capitulating into the playoff spot, but... They certainly are definitely, for me, they're not looking up. They're looking still more down the way to well, make sure they don't get dragged in. Well, they're winless in five as well, as uh, Gamba, you kind of mentioned there. Yeah, Air 1-2-1, as we've kind of briefly gone over, um, did see highlights as well yeah, as, uh, with yourself. Uh, the, That's the a first huge button. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ross picked this one out as a huge one, and it's, it's, it's turned out that way because it's really... You know that now they're on now they're on level points uh, with them. Barton um, did really did really well to turn it around, and they've got the game in hand now. Obviously, when you're at the bottom of the table, you would rather have the points on the table than the game in hand. But when you're sitting level on points or something, a game in hand, that's something you really have to look at and think. This is a huge opportunity we've got here. It's you know three wins in the last four for any relegation threatened team anywhere is an absolutely fantastic run of form. Mm. And I wouldn't want to come up against them. <laughs> oh, see the thing with United is, I mean, obviously they've got St Mirren on Saturday coming, which is huge. But more so even than that, um, they play Dundee United in midweek, yeah, don't they? Yeah. So now, I think with Dundee United at home, that is one that you look and expect Dundee United to win. But could you imagine if United beat both Dundee United and St Mirren this week? You'd be looking at them being what thirty four, ten points ahead of St Mirren, having played a. Having played only a game more, yeah. I mean, this could be a week that Air United could really, really not almost seal survival for me going into the last kind of five, six games of the season. And I, and I think St Mirren as well, having been on such a good run of late, obviously losing the cup final, won. I think that it was a terrible weekend for them on a whole. <laughs> yeah, they lost yeah. their own game, and then everybody above them, yeah. you know, well, not everybody, but certainly Air United won. Draythor picked up points, Dunfermline who were getting dragged into it won, and of course um, Dumbarton obviously lost to United, but St Mirren, they, they will really now be all focused on, on, on Saturday, they, that's one they just have to win, um, in my opinion, but of course with a keen eye on, on Tannadice tomorrow night. Yeah, Tuesday night. So, but... Cup hangover over for Dundee United, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not, no. Yeah, the other game in that uh, division was Wraith Rovers 1, Queen of the South 1. So, yeah, just quickly, I mean, has this weekend changed anyone's minds? Do people still think St. Mary are going to go down? As I, I still think St. Mary have probably got too much quality to go down. Not that they're too good to go down, I just think they've got enough quality in the games coming up to see it through. It's a big ask, though. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, been some, it's been some turnaround so yeah. far, and to ask them to keep doing that, I mean, it's it's not easy, is it, Connor? No, that's what I, I actually spoke about this morning to some days. I think it was me. Was <laughs> you? <laughs> is that why you're leading on in the year? All right. Well, no, my, my, my point was that they've got quality, 100%. 
they're playing well in games. That's of no doubt. But now the teams around about them are picking up wins. Um, and over the course of a season, teams will go on runs. Now, I'm just not convinced 100% that St Mirren weren't in too bad a, a position with X amount of games, quite a short amount of games to go, that that over the course, they made a good sprint when Air United were on a terrible run, when Dumbarton were losing matches and had only won one in something like six games, when Wraith Rovers won in free fall. That, they started to suddenly, that's when they spurted and they brought that gap back down. But these teams, because of the competitive nature of the championship, were never going to go the rest of the season still in these terrible runs because everybody, no matter who you are in that division, takes points off each other mm. this season. Even Hibs. Uh, people St- take St. points Mirren, off St. each took other. St Mirren took points off of Hibs. That's the top took, sorry, bottom took points off the top. So they made great progress, yes, but that was at a point in the season where everybody else was on a real down low. Now that teams are starting to pick up points, it's when it'll get interesting, but it will literally, from, and for me, will change on a week-to-week basis. There'll be one week you'll be sitting saying, right back in it, then they'll be losing the United or win. But I think until you get to a position where you're going to a game saying this is where it's mathematically going to be determined this weekend, um, no team out of that 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th position um, can count themselves as, as safe from at least a playoff. Okay, um, with that we will move to League One and um, a lot of stuff going on in League One as well this weekend. Uh, Our drew 2-2 with Queen's Park. Um, that is, well I suppose they still are unbe- unbeaten in the last nine games. However, um, they were on a pretty decent run before that. I think they're now about 11 points behind Livingston. Um so it's in the bag. I think time. it probably is in the bag now. Um, I think they probably would have had to keep winning in order for them to at least challenge. Um, Livingston uh, won four two against Airdrie. When what was billed as quite a big game, Airdrie now out the playoffs and in fifth place. They're all level on points with East Fife on forty two points. However, East Fife have a game in hand over Airdrie. Um, elsewhere in the division, Brecon City won two one. They beat East Fife. Um, and they go above them in the table. They are now third with 45 points. Uh, Peterhead drew 2-2 with Shinra. That's a result, I think, that puts Peterhead um, in the mire somewhat. Um, although, I mean, you could argue, similarly to the Championship, there's a lot of teams that are in, in trouble there. Uh, game I was at at the weekend, Stennis Muir, massive game against Albion Rovers, who were sitting just above them in ninth before the game. Uh, Albion Rovers, comfortable win for them, 3-0, um, and they've got our two games in hand as well. Uh, they're 34 points. I think they play, I think they play East Fife on Tuesday, um, and I think a win there, um, I'd probably say a win there uh, will will drag them away from any relegation uh, <laughs> troubles. Stenhouse Muir, it was probably a game they had to win, I think. Um, being at the game, there was a real flatness around the team and I don't think they really understood, or the players anyway certainly didn't understood, understand the magnitude of the game. I mean, that was one they really had to win, I think, um, and they failed to do so. Now, it's the last four games they've lost on the bounds. 
some difficult uh, games in and amongst them. However, I think it, it's really not looking good at the moment for them. Um, yeah, just I, I think a kind of combination of a lot of kind of key players um, not performing. Alan Cook wasn't great. Um, he's one of their main guys usually. Uh, Mason Robertson has looked so promising recently. Um, was pretty anonymous in this game. Um, yeah, just not a good outing for Stennis Muir. Um, guys, I'll kind of bring you in here. Uh, what have you kind of made of League One? Do you still think um, Stennis Muir should be going down, or do you th- what do you think will happen? Yeah. You you look just entirely based on just the highlights I've seen and the kind of the form. I mean, the form table is kind of my main thing for going off of this. And you look at the last four games, the teams were in about the bottom. Stenhousemuir have lost the last four, as you said. Above them, Peterhead haven't won the last four, but they've only yeah. lost two of those games. Yeah, Peterhead have been on an absolutely horrendous run of form, and it's not really getting picked up anywhere. <laughs> and but I think part of the reason it's maybe not being picked up that much is because. Stenhousemuir aren't capitalising on it. Yeah, the only team you can kind of look at that have made kind of any headway against Peterhead, where they've been on this, have been Albion Rovers, and that's because they've won one game. Yeah, I mean, before that, they've been on a pretty, pretty horrendous one. I think they not won since January. So this is the first one since January. Um, and Danny Young, anyway, was quite adamant that um, th- there was a, there was I think there was a real lack of confidence in those games. But um, they certainly didn't show that on Saturday. They were really, really excellent and um, defensively as well. I was very impressed with just kind of what you expect from Albion Rose. A real um, solid, organised team. Um, and um, yeah, it sort of surprised me the recent slump they've been on, but um, I think they'll I think they'll be okay now given that result. Um, yeah. So, uh, Tom, just one thing to say there that um, after last weekend's or the weekend before last weekend's lack of goals, it was the highest scoring yeah in Scotland, um, and every game had a ninety plus minute goal. I did, oh, not, I did not know that. There we go. There's there's some there's some brilliant stats for you there. Um, so week one, the place for goals one week, the place not for goals another week. If you're wanting un- that, that sweet sweet defence and then that sweet sweet attacking football, yep. there's only one league for you. <laughs> uh, week two is another uh, decent league in terms of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a horrible link. Um, yeah, I think probably. I'm trying to think of the biggest result here. Well, Clyde are right in the in amongst it again not to me it was Edinburgh yeah Edinburgh oh okay yeah that's probably a, that's probably a good place to start <laughs> however I will, it's, a, it's one I had in my coupon actually I've had a feeling Edinburgh would win this game um, they have what they made themselves safe now <sighs> big call but Seven, seven points, points ahead I think, I, think, I, think, I think I think it's fair enough I think that, that result I just can't believe Clyde are, I certainly haven't seen the table. I haven't, I've not seen the table in a couple of weeks, and oh, this place. Oh dear. I know that's. Uh, I didn't quite realise things were as yeah bad as that. Well, um, I knew Cowden Beath were obviously were struggling, but I, I, they won last midweek, so I, I knew they were making headway on whatever team was above them. I didn't realise it was Clyde. Um, well, Clyde play Cowden Beath either Tuesday or Wednesday. There's a bunch of real big games this week. Uh, in the kind of all leagues, um, so I think that that's that's a big one, really. Um, that is a massive, massive game. County Beath won that, then yeah, Clyde are right. They're they're in big trouble, big trouble. I mean, is it? Can Clyde go down? I mean, they lost three um, two Sterling. 
on the face of it, um, I mean, Stirling have been on a fantastic run of form. Yeah, we don't want to play. Yeah, <laughs> they've won the last six games. They've unbeaten the last eight. Uh, the they are. I mean, the form team in that division. So it's no no shame to be losing to them. However, um, it's, it's it's not been great for. Just Clyde. even looking at the form of Elgin, though, Stirling could make a late match for these these playoffs. Um, I might be totally. I think, I think that's something we talked about in the preview show. What was it possible? Totally wrong here, but I am sure Elgin at the moment with injuries are, are, are struggling a little bit. Um, and you know, sometimes all a team needs is it's getting to the right form at the right time of the season. You know, I, I stand by that as long as you're okay. They've obviously been a little bit further out than than, than most, but most divisions in Scotland, I think, if you can be there or thereabouts, heading to the last quarter. Um, and really excel yourself and get the right run of form at the right time, anything's possible. Um, I think you also only have to look at, um, and this is probably more down to Forfer's form, but like everyone at one point thought, that's that league done. Yeah. And suddenly now our both are just a point behind. Now, I know that's probably happened before Saturday, a lot of that work. But again, that negligence of me, I'm only just really... I've been here for the first time in a while, and, and, and I always, I always remember going up to four for earlier in the season to watch a, a development league match and sitting in the groundsman. Oh, you must already think you've got one hand on the the trophy. Mm-hmm. Sorry if it's me that drinks it, by the way, but uh, um, it just shows that unless you get the right form at the right time, at the right time being the end of the season, mm. nothing's guaranteed. It has been a horrible, horrible run of form for Forfar, and it's a huge missed yeah. opportunity for Marbroath. And I know, I know that game is a derby for them, so you know, you, form goes out the window. But no, nah, I mean, Marbroath will be kicking themselves because that that was their opportunity at the weekend to go ahead um, and losing one nil to Montrose. It's not great. <laughs> it, it doesn't look too bad though, of course, because Forfar, as he said, have been on such a horrendous run of form. They lost three two to mm. Berwick Rangers of all teams. Um, again, another team had my cup in Berwick Rangers. <laughs> um, just going for all the teams that uh, going against all the teams that have been on, going for the teams that are going against the teams that have been on bad. You form. didn't, you didn't win your, sense? You did, sure. your cup didn't come up. No, it did. It did. Yeah. Oh, okay, had uh, Stirling, uh, Berwick, and Edinburgh. Completely contradict myself there, but uh, yeah, um, I think well, Ann and Beak kind of beef as well. I suppose we can look at that. I mean, was that that, that, that was again another one that kind of beat had to win and maybe capitalise on Clyde, but didn't happen. It's almost a good result. It's almost. I think. Almost, I think. Yeah. End of the day, they probably would have taken the draw. It was a relatively late winner. Ann and Ann and Ann what? Don't draw though, do they? Hmm. Like they, they, they just they, do, no. they just win or they lose. It's kind of like who was it? Who was it that had that? Was it John Hughes at Inverness? Like that was his kind of mentality. It was just a case of no, we're, we're either gonna or was it? Or was it Shields at Command? Like I'm trying to remember this. There was somebody who like, or could have been pitcher. Uh, somebody, <laughs> you, you listening, you'll probably know better than I will. There was, there was a manager recently in Scottish football who says, "I don't care for draws. We either win or we lose." <laughs> That's a kind of admirable attitude to have, though, yeah. to be fair. Um, and certainly an entertaining one. A good, a good binary attitude yeah, towards it. I'm, I'm a fan of. None of this analogue fish. Nah, nah, nah. Just, just straight ones and zeros. Yeah. Um, or threes and zeros. Or that, yeah. Um, we will wrap up our roundup there and we will talk about some questions we had. Um, Skyline CSC. 
Um, Don United surprised everyone. Showed form as arbitrary and I don't that's know, a big word. That, that is a big word. Gamma, can you say that Ca- word? Capricious. Capricious. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't think I said that word right there. Uh, yeah, Scotland showed a bit of hope, but let's not get on. Um, go on with that, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of form. I think that's the thing with the game. It was a different atmosphere for the players. That um, probably was right form was going out the window because if you think about it, in, the, in that competition, we were both in quite good form. So true, true. Um, yeah, and again, Scotland um, should have won a bit of hope, but um, bit quality as well. Yeah, I thought, I thought yeah. Um, I think maybe in reference to that, there has been a lot of kind of again because going back to what. Radio Scotland after the game they were very positive I don't know if that's just because that's right after the game and you're going to be more positive because of course yeah. it's been a last minute goal and whatever but um, yeah just found that interesting I think maybe a bit of context is uh, fine of course uh, Skyland CSC also had a, a question for the previous podcast which was the preview one and the second part was the boys in Germany it was of course nice hearing their voices but um, oh, me and Gamba so good, so. me and Gamba don't feel the um they answered one of Skyline CSC's questions um, appropriately, to be honest. Gamma, maybe, can not, you, can maybe, expand? Not, maybe not appropriately, but comprehensively, I'll yeah. say. <laughs> ah, he's the favourite Simpsons episode, so it was a case of, oh, well, I mean, we kind of like the Simpsons. Nah, nah, here we go. Yeah. Here you uh, go, Skyline with, CSC. Right. Marge versus the monorail is the greatest thing <laughs> that's ever been done on television. There you go. Uh, for me... The baseball episode in The Simpsons is the greatest. Like, uh, even as like, if I wasn't the Simpsons, a Scottish football version of Homer at the Bat. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how who, who, who would play who. Who would be the kind of um, stars of the show? Um, but would be interesting. If you guys can think of that, uh, please. Have Musa, please. Musa Dembele is Dal Strawberry, definitely. With a wee, with a wee tear when I was. Um, yeah, <laughs> so uh, if you guys can, well, Tom, have you got a favourite Simpsons episode before we move? Uh, <laughs> bit of a fair weather Simpsons fan, so I have to go Ricky Gervais episode. Oh god, I know, that, I know that's not going to go down well, oh, but god. I quite enjoyed it. Okay, uh, we'll move on. My god. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but Skyline CSC, if you can think of who would be in that baseball episode, please let us know because we'd like to. We'd like to know. Right, we need to we need to get this sorted out. Like, yeah. what would the Scottish football equivalent of Homer at the Bat be? Would it be like yeah. Rabsy Nesbitt playing in like a five side team or something like that? Like, what would it be? Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I and um, I don't know how it's Ed Sturrock official. Um, Basically, just um, happy about Air United uh, winning. Uh, long, long way to go, but uh, finally a bit of form. Um, so, uh, yeah, congrats to Air for the for the, the win at the team, weekend, yeah. the hometown team. Uh, and we are dragging us out a wee bit because it's still um, not an hour. But um, we hope that 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 will satisfy your your cravings for the week. Um, that's all we get time for. Uh, thank you for joining me, Andrew Gamba. It's been a pleasure, Lewis. Tom McKinnon. As good as ever. And Connor Park. Nobody's at all. And we'll see you next week. No, we'll see you on Friday or Thursday or Friday for a preview show. Or we'll preview. Maybe. 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 We'll probably not see Connor, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but we'll see you then and we can uh, preview finally the, the proper football we'll be back and we'll, we can uh, talk about that. Um, so thanks and bye. No. Yeah.